are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. Legos! <laughs> Who likes playing with Legos? Our boys loved playing with Legos when they were kids. We still have some of their constructions in the basement. They're 20 and 22 years old right now, by the way, but we still have those things built in our basement. And anybody who's played with these building blocks, even for a few minutes, knows the importance of having a strong foundation for your building blocks. If you have some blocks and you don't have a good foundation and you build a tower of some sort, and you don't have a good foundation, that tower will come over quite easily. But if you build something <laughs> that has a strong foundation, you can build and build and build, and it will be very, very, very solid. All right? There we go. A solid Lego masterpiece would need more than one little foundation. It would need several. Well, we're going to be talking about four foundational things in our series here about building blocks. And you can certainly have more than four foundations or four building blocks in your construction. But having a solid foundation is important for Legos. It's really important for us as Christians, as God's people. And that's what we're going to be focusing on this month. At the conclusion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he has taught the disciples all these things, and then he says to them, these words I speak to you not as incidental additions to your life, um, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They're foundational words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed on rock. Jesus reminds us the importance of having a strong and solid foundation. So that's what we're going to be trying to do in this series. And we're looking at energy, intelligence, imagination, and love. And those of you who've been around the block with the Presbyterian Church, been to ordination installation services, know that we ask officers, elders, deacons, and pastors the very same question about these four words. Will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? These are aspirational words for us. So they're words for church officers and pastors, church leaders, but they're really words for all of us. So that's why we're going to spend some time thinking about these words this month in our series with the hope, with the hope that we might learn more about these words and that we might incorporate them more into our lives, that we might welcome these gifts that God offers us to live our lives as Christians. Energy is first. We all need energy, especially today. A lot of people I talk to are 
exhausted. We're exhausted because of COVID still. We're exhausted because of all the political dysfunction. We're exhausted because of economic stress. We're exhausted because of family issues. We're exhausted because of environmental challenges all over the place. We're exhausted of being exhausted. It's an exhausting time. We need energy. And if there's a source for that energy, we need to tap into it so we have energy for faithful living. We need that strength. We need that power to faithfully engage with life. And sometimes we need it just to get through the day, right? In the first century, the disciples needed energy in a different time and context. Jesus had been with them for three years at least, teaching them, encouraging them, telling them about the kingdom of God, telling them to love their neighbors, telling them to remember the people who had been forgotten. And then he was arrested because he was a threat to the power of empire. He was tried, convicted, and killed. An exhausting time for the disciples as they watched their leader be killed. Then he was resurrected. This was surprising. He was with them for a while longer. And the part of the story that sometimes I don't think we pay enough attention to is Jesus was with the disciples after the resurrection for 40 days, we're told. And then he was ascended. He disappeared again. If I was one of the disciples, I would have been like, Jesus, you just came back, and now you're leaving again. It was a stressful time, but Jesus made a promise for them. He, he made a promise, and he said to them, well, when the time they come together, they said, Lord, is this the time when you will return the kingdom of Israel? This is about the time when Jesus was going to be ascended. He had been teaching them about the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the periods the Father has sent by his own authority. But, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? So Jesus is saying, it's going to be hard. I won't be here anymore. You're going to be on your own. But you're going to receive power. There's an opportunity for the disciples to plug into this power that God offers. So, energy. I thought, if we're going to talk about energy and power, I should do a little reading. So I did a little reading about energy, and I quickly got overwhelmed. I was not strong in sciences in my formal education. And then I start reading about kinetic versus potential energy, chemical reactions, quantum mechanics. Um, and I still don't know what E equals MC squared really means. I was never really good with science, um, but you don't have to be good at science to know that humans need energy for faithful living, to know that we need energy to do what God wants us to do, to do what we want to do. While we might under, not understand the science, we can understand the importance of energy. Think about a fan, right? Warm, warm days we have. You have a fan, but the fan's not plugged in. The fan's not going to work. If the fan's not connected to a source of energy, it's not going to work. Some people have portable fans, little battery charging fans. If that's not connected to the charging station for a while, it's not going to work, right? All sorts of possibilities with this. Um, I have my phone in my pocket, right? I'm guessing a few of you might have phones in your pockets, and you know what happens if you don't put it in the charging station after a while. It loses power, and it's just a hunk of plastic and metal that doesn't do anything. You need to charge those things. I actually brought in my electric toothbrush to worship today. I've been a pastor 32 years and never brought a toothbrush to church before, but a few years ago, my dentist talked me into getting an electric toothbrush. I was kind of skeptical, but I think it's kind of cool. But this is the charging station. Every week or so, I need to plop it in here for a while. Otherwise, it's just like a regular toothbrush and doesn't do the work that it's supposed to do. So I'm going to put my toothbrush over here now and be careful with that. 
So there's all sorts of examples like that. You can even think about um, more and more people are getting electric cars, right? And what do you have to do with an electric car? That's one of the issues that we're trying to figure out with our infrastructure. You have to charge the car. If you don't do that, then you're just going to, you know, you run out of gas, you run out of a charge, whatever. You need energy to make things happen. Okay, I think the point's pretty, pretty clear here. Um, all sorts of things that we need to do um, to make this energy for us. So the question for us today is, what's your charging station? Where do you get energized to live, to do the work that God wants you to do? Now, there's an obvious answer here, and it makes me think of a story of the pastor who was speaking to a group of kids, and he held up or showed them a picture of a squirrel, and he was trying to teach about industriousness and hard work and perseverance, and he said, children, what do you see here? And one of the kids who had been through a few too many overly simplistic messages from the pastor raised their hand and said, well, it looks like a squirrel, but it must be Jesus. <laughs> so I say that because in this case, yes, the obvious answer to what the source of our energy is, yes, it must be Jesus, yes, it must be God, but we're going to unpack it a little bit because it's not as simple as that, okay? So bear with me and let's not think about squirrels, I guess. We'll just keep moving forward here. Um, the text says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So Presbyterians, we talk about God a fair amount. We talk about Jesus to a certain extent. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, but one God, three persons, and Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come and give you power. So it seems like if we're going to figure out this energy that God wants to give us, we have to figure out something about the Holy Spirit. Now, I know we Presbyterians, we get a little uncomfortable when we hear about the Holy Spirit, um, and some of us cringe a little bit when we see people jumping and dancing around in their churches, and um, I'm not suggesting we need to do that. You know, I know how we show our enthusiasm and our energy as Presbyterians when we get really excited about something, we might nod our head with agreement. <laughs> Or occasionally, if the music is really energetic and happy, we might tap our foot gently. Um, that's, that's how we roll, and that's okay. There are other ways to tap into the Holy Spirit's power, and I'd like to um, think about that today. And I've actually got five, five ways to think about our charging stations, five ways that we can harness the energy that God wants to give us through the Holy Spirit um, so we can connect with this power of God. The first one is worship. Again, kind of the squirrel answer, kind of an obvious answer, right? The, uh, the idea of getting together in person or online. Welcome to those of you who are online again. People tell me all the time that Sunday worship is like a, a, a breath of fresh air for them or an a, a energy that they need for the week. This is why I go to worship when I'm on vacation, because I need that too. I need to be in worship together to sing, pray, learn, listen, and grow. Um, we need to connect regularly with God, and worship is a great way to do that. And by the way, rehearsals for choir and our New Day Ensemble start this week. So if you'd like to be part of worship in that way, feel free. A second way that we connect with God, um, that we charge ourselves, is with prayer and Bible study. There are many ways to engage with prayer and Bible study, but they're all ways of reconnecting with God and hearing God's word and being guided and led by God's word. Um, I use a Bible app, um, and today... The Bible reading, you can't really read it very well, but it's from Psalm 100, um, reminding us of God's steadfast love. Enter God's gates with thanksgiving and praise. 
Um, the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, faithfulness through all generations. That's the word for the day. That's one way that I nourish myself and recharge myself by looking at my phone and looking at my Bible app at least once a day. I also use this wonderful book by John Bailey um, a couple times a year. Some of you are familiar with this. Um, it's got a daily prayer for every day. And actually, the prayer for today, I'm just going to read just a little bit of it. Thank you, Lord, for this new day for its gladness and brightness, for its many hours waiting to be filled with joyful and helpful labor, for its open doors of possibility, for its hope of new beginnings. Stir up in my heart the desire to make the very most of today's opportunities. Amen. So prayer, our worship, prayer, Bible study, all ways that we can charge our batteries. A third way, music, art, literature. God speaks to us loud and clear sometimes through songs and paintings and books and more. We need to choose carefully because there's a lot of junk out there. Um, so we need to be mindful about what, what sort of things we do with music, art, and literature. I find reading novels and history and nonfiction to be a spiritually renewing experience. I just finished a delightful novel called Harlem Shuffle, um, set in the, the 1960s about a man struggling between two worlds and trying to make good choices. Fascinating book. Um, a lot of good ways to really listen for God and get re-energized by God through music, art, and literature. Another way, being outside, being in creation. The bulletin cover for today certainly suggests that. And getting outside, getting some fresh air, even just looking out the window sometimes can be renewing and refreshing to us. I was talking with some people this week, and they were talking about some science that's saying that walking around barefoot gives, gives more energy in terms of uh, you know, connecting with... Um, energy in the, in the world is a fascinating idea. God recharges our batteries when we're outside. Um, I ride my bike, people walk, people do all sorts of things outside. It's a great way to connect. And then f the last one I think is probably the hardest of all. Um, silence and Sabbath, it's challenging. Slowing down, getting the rest that we need, that's, that's pretty hard for us. We are surrounded by noise and busyness and stress in our world on a regular basis, I think it's imperative for us as Christians to turn off our devices, to unplug, to get away from screens, to just look and listen and ponder, just experience the world. Some of us work too hard. Some of us have a hard time sleeping. Some of us don't prioritize sleep. And there's actually a video circulating on social media um, which is rather humorous and profound at the same time, and it's about sleep. And, and the question, if, if you can read it on the screen, it says, if you want eight hours of sleep, you should just go to bed eight hours before you have to get up. Well, in this video and countless variations of it, that, that comes up. The, the woman finishes her coffee or her milk or whatever and then just shakes her head and says, nope, not going to do that. You know, she, you have a way to get eight hours of sleep, but not going to do it. And it's kind of funny. And it's kind of true sometimes, we've all been there, but it, it reminds me of the reality that we have these opportunities to tap into the energy. We have all these different ways to do it, and sometimes we just say, nope, not going to do that. Maybe, maybe consciously, deliberately, and sometimes more sort of passively, and just don't take advantage of these ways that we have to get new energy. You know, for my phone to keep working, I have to intentionally plug it in. For my toothbrush to keep working, I have to intentionally plug it in. For us to keep working, we have to intentionally plug ourselves in somewhere, somehow. I've lifted, listed five suggestions. There are countless other ways to tap into God's energies. 
You know, just saying I'm a church member won't do it either. We need to be intentional. We need to be um, assertive about it. We need to plug in. So at the start of a new school year, a new program year, a new, new year for the church, it's a good time for all of us to figure out how we are going to stay charged individually and together, how we're going to tap into the energy that God offers. And providentially, tomorrow is Labor Day. It's a day for us as a nation to remember the struggles of organized labor, unions, and efforts for safe workplaces and fair pay for all sorts of people. But it's also a good day for us as Christians to think about the labor to which we are called as God's people. Remember, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Part of the gospel is a calling to recognize that God calls us to be laborers in the vineyard, to do the work that God wants us to do to make this world a better place. And to do that, we need to stay charged, to stay energized. So when I say God's work, that could mean all sorts of things. It'd be different for everyone. For some people, that means being an elder or a deacon, or maybe singing in the choir or teaching Sunday school or helping with a Guatemala partnership or helping with maintenance around the building or gardening or serving coffee and donuts or even being on a church committee. How about that, right? All sorts of ways to serve. Lots of people serve God through their paid employment. What a blessing when we're able to do that, to get paid and serve God. We have teachers, doctors, nurses, social workers, retailers, and lots of other people who feel like the work that they do to bring home a salary is a way of serving God, or they actively look for ways to serve God in the work that they do. But you don't have to be a cardiologist or a professor to serve God. You can serve God all sorts of ways. You can serve God as a spouse, as a sibling, as a cousin, as a caregiver for someone. You can serve God wherever you are. Some people are really good note writers. Some people are really good phone callers. Some people are really good prayers. Some people are really generous with their time, with their money, with their, their hugs. Some people are really good at smiling. They tap into the energy of God, and they're good at smiling. And what a difference a good smile makes in our world today, right? You can do that. Some people are good at going to funerals. What a wonderful ministry to be present, to weep with those who are weeping. All sorts of ways. You don't have to do everything. Please don't try to do everything. We can all find something. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something, and God offers us energy for all. One quick story, and then I'm done. I was in touch with a covenant member this week. A person is dealing with a lot of challenging health issues and does not get out very much. It would be easy for them to sit at home and feel sorry for themselves, but they don't. They are plugged into God's transforming love, plugged into the energy that God offers. A lifetime of faithfulness has brought a, a good store of that energy. And because of that, this person is in touch with lots of covenant people in ways that they can be in touch, through email and phone calls and note cards, sharing God's love. As we were talking on the phone, I could feel the smile from this person coming through the phone, right? I just knew it was there. And it made me laugh when the person told me that when they sit down on Sunday mornings and queue up their tablet or whatever to, to watch worship, they will oftentimes go in and put on their Sunday best and sit there by themselves to watch worship. So, hello out there. Glad, glad you're here today. <laughs> Friends, the good news of the gospel is that God 
loves us. God loves us very much. Megan reminded us of that. We are beloved children of God. And then God calls us to share that love, to make this world a better place. And God gives us strength and power and energy to do what we need to do. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving God, thank you for the gift of today. Thank you for the gift of your love. Thank you for giving us all sorts of things upon which we can build a strong foundation for life. Give us the wisdom and the courage to put one block in place today. Give us the wisdom and courage to put another block in place tomorrow. Give us the wisdom and courage to plug into the love, the transforming love, the power that you want to give us to live, to serve, or even just to get through the day. Thank you that you're always with us. Thank you for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the one who goes before us. Thank you for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Hear our prayers, O God. Amen.